Yeah. Good morning, church. Hey, uh, did you ever pull up to a gas pump and somebody gave you a free gas? So, not yet. So Rob uh, took a crew of about 14 people out yesterday to the certified station and just started surprising people with the love of Jesus and giving them free gas. I just love that. And uh, any of you 14, you want to hop up here and give a 30, 60 second uh, little blurb about that, how cool it was? All right, come on. Come on up here, Terry. Yeah, don't fall. Don't fall. That's not good. It was so much fun, you guys. It was so much fun. (laughs) Even if it was cold and it was raining, it was so much fun. You just got to do it next time. You really do. But just to give the love of the Lord. And, of course, you know, it it was real quick. They're like, what are you doing this for? Why? And they were suspicious and didn't, you know. And it's like, you know, I could tell you God loves you or I could show you. Can I give you $25 worth of gas? (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Thanks, Terry. Go, Leanne. Yeah, so it was definitely a cool experience. Um, I had one younger guy come up, and he was listening to some rap music, and um, I, got to, I got to fill up his tank and started with, like, I had $4 left on a card, and then I was like, don't worry, I've got, I've got another one. And he was like, oh, man, even $4 would help me out. He's like, I'm trying to sell this car. And, um, and then he was just like, so why are you guys doing this? And I just got to tell him, we just want to help people out and show them that God loves them. So it was cool. <laughs> awesome. I just really love being a part of a church where that's important to us. That kind of thing is important to us. You know, it's not like a program that we do. It's just what we do because it's in our hearts to do it, right? Cool. All right, hey, uh, just a heads up for you high school students tonight, 9, 10, 11, 12th grade, come on back at 6 o'clock tonight. We're having a blast at 6 o'clock, and uh, I'm going to bring you a short message tonight, you guys, uh, showing you in the Bible how you can know for sure that you're a Christian, so you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to wonder about it. Okay, I'm going to give you a short message, and we're going to have a lot of fun, too. And free pizza. All right, so 6 o'clock tonight. I have one more announcement. It's really not a churchy thing, but I feel like it's such an opportunity that I want to share it with you guys. Um, Dave Leach sent me this, and as I said, it's such an, somebody's going to want to take advantage of this. It says, a friend of mine has two tickets for the Super Bowl. I know, both box seats. He paid $2,500 each. But he didn't realize last year when he bought them, it was going to be on the same day as his wedding. I know. It says if you're interested, he's looking for somebody to take his place. If you want to take his place... It's at Holy Cross Church on Lake Avenue at 3 p.m. The bride's name is Heather. She's 5'7", 135 pounds, and she'll be the one in the white dress. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Wow. No, No, not to pause, right? That's like a slow pitch, this church. 
This morning I'm going to finish the message I started two weeks ago on the book of Philippians, okay? I got to, because I got to get out of the way so Rob can bring us into Colossians next week and I get to lead worship next week, which I'm excited about, so we'll have a great time. Uh, so I've been working on this message for two weeks, and I think there's a little irony in it, don't you, in that I've been talking about the subject of sanctification, that kind of slow process of transformation, and it's taken me three weeks to do it. So, uh, well, here we are, we're on the Through the Bible, uh, stop 46C, if you will, in the book of Philippians. I'm going to fast forward you through where we've been the last two weeks. If you're new here, so sorry, we don't usually do it this way. But it's the way we've got to do it right now. So as far as context, you need to know about Paul, prison, Philippi, kenosis, sufficiency, perspective, and affection. Got it? All right, good. That's the context of Philippians. We were settling down into chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, where Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, listen, that he who began a good work in you, who did that? Lord Jesus did that. that. He who began a good work in you will carry it on, there's the process, will carry it on to completion until when? The day of Christ Jesus, okay? Father, we invite your, your presence and your power here. You've been so faithful to visit us in our worship, in our fellowship, sincere love we have for you and each other. And I pray, Lord, that you would just move me aside and your Holy Spirit would come and teach the meaning of this word to every seeking heart now. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we've been talking about is this ongoing transformation that occurs. So we, get, we come into relationship with God on, on a day, at a moment. When we ask Christ into our lives, when we surrender into that whole process of salvation. But then what happens next is an ongoing thing, isn't it? We're never done, are we? I'm not done. I know Harry's not done, right? We're not done yet. And uh, I want to show you a verse, actually it's in Hebrews, just to make this point once again about the difference between getting saved and living saved, okay? It's the difference, remember last week, between justification, which is where we're justified before God by what Jesus did for us, and sanctification, which is the process, right? There's a single verse in Hebrews chapter 10 that really refers to both of those things. Hebrews chapter 10, now Hebrews 10 is about Jesus being the whole sufficiency for our salvation, that he died for us, that he paid the full price. We don't need anything else but Jesus in our lives. To be saved. And and in verse 14, it says, Because by one sacrifice, he, meaning Jesus, because by one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Do you hear both of those things? That by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it said that he he has made perfect forever. So that's the justification. That's the change in our standing, right? He's made us perfect forever, but look what the rest of it says. Those who are being made holy, right? So it's, I know, blows your mind. And then he's making us holy through the process of our walk with him under the word of God and the present power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
So that's what we're talking about, what we've been talking about. Paul says back in Philippians, he says he's on the same journey, right? He says, not that I've already obtained all this, I've already been made perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, hey, this is a universal condition, we're all in it. Now, we also, in the last couple of weeks, started talking about how can I know I'm in that transformation process? What will I see in my life? I suggested to you that you'll first see a deeper understanding of the Word of God. Remember when you first started reading the Bible and you weren't sure which way to hold it, you weren't sure which way to, where to start and all that? Well, as you grow and you walk with the Lord, it'll just become fascinating, and you'll just see stuff that you never thought possible before. You'll get a desire and appetite. If you don't have an appetite for the Word of God, something's amiss, Okay. Something's amiss. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty, but I do offer it as a caution. If, if that's not growing, then something's amiss, and we need to attend to that. Um, second, uh, you'll, you'll, you should be experiencing increasing encounter with God. That God isn't a far-off God. He's right here, right? And, and, and we want to encounter him. He means he's, he's chasing us. And so we've got to stop and turn around, get still enough, or enter into the Holy Spirit zone when we're worshiping, or however you think about that, and encounter God. That should be increasing, not decreasing. And if it used to be better than it is today, something's amiss, okay? We've got to look at that. And then uh, third, uh, if we're in the sanctification process, we should be seeing stronger relationships and a deeper sense of community. Nobody is born again into a vacuum. We're born into company. We're born into community. We're born into relationship. It, you can't really be a Christian in, in isolation. You can't uh, because you're born into the church. You're born into the bride of Christ. You're born into what God is saving, his church, his bride, right? And so look around. Go ahead. I dare you. These are your people. I know, right? <laughs> These are your people. These, the, this is your family, and uh, I love it. If we could see what I could see from here and know what I know. It's just, you know, about some, so many of you. <laughs> it's just really cool just to think that God has done this. And uh, we should be seeing that. And if, if, our, if we're not in community, if we don't have a desire to be in community, if we're not, and relationships are complicated. We screw them up all the time, don't we? Yeah, Jesus talked all the time about we got to learn how to forgive each other, which was a guarantee that we're going to screw it up, right? Right? And so they're complicated. I'm not saying they're not, but the call is the same. We're called into community, into relationships, into working it out, okay? Well, that's how far we got in the last two weeks, and now we are going to finish this thing today by picking up where we left off. I want to give you two more what I think uh, uh, are indicators that we are actively engaged in the sanctification process. And the, the, the first one today, or the fourth one, is we'll be having a greater impact on the world around us. We'll be having a greater impact. You know you're having an impact on the world, right? And you'll have a greater impact for the Lord uh, on the world around you. Because as we grow in this walk, think about it this way with me, please. As we grow in this walk with the Lord... We just naturally increase in authority and ultimately in the power of God in our lives. Jesus was all about giving his authority away to his disciples, wasn't he? Remember one of the last things he said was, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore you guys go 
and make disciples of all nations. In other words, go in that authority. That we have granted the authority, an authority, to live our lives from the perspective of the authority of God rather than our own authority or some other authority over us. Well, as we grow in our walk with the Lord, that authority and that sense, the knowledge, the, the, use, the use of it increases. And then, then that displays power. Well, now think about it. If, if as you grow, you're experiencing more authority and power, you're naturally going to be having a greater impact on the world around you. Yes or no? Yes. Right. Okay. So this is an indication that we're in that process, that we're, we're having a greater impact. The Bible teaches that, that God has given us, as his believers, something called spiritual gifts. Many of you know all about this. But these spiritual gifts, for example, if you want to look at it later, look in first, right down 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. That when you look into these passages, you see that, that God has given all of his believers certain supernatural abilities inside of them. Things, the ways that God wants to work through us in the world. And it's powerful. It's not stuff that we really had apart from knowing the Lord. But when we were born again, and when we start walking in the Spirit of God, then these, these gifts are released. And that's how God means for us to, to act. I, I, I like to think of it as a, like a gift mix. And so, Brian, you know, you have a certain gift mix. You know, you don't have probably all 21 of the spiritual gifts. But you have some of them that are kind of on board. They're resident gifts, kind of in the hard drive, right? And that's your gift mix. And I think that you can tell a lot about the will of God, Brian, for your life by looking at that gift mix. Because that's how God means to impact the world around you, right? You're not my gift mix. We have, probably have different gift mixes. And so I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. And, and God puts us in a portion of the world, right, where he means for us to use those gifts, and to have an impact. They're not just church gifts for crying out loud, right? Heavens, no. I hope we don't just use the gifts in here. We're meant to go out of here and be dangerous for those things, right? Change the world. Have an impact on the whole world. And I'd like for you to think about something. I know thinking is hard, but I want you to think about this. Just ponder this for a second. I want you to uh, just think about your life and the spheres of influence that you have in your life. You know, there's somewhere and places in your world where you, if you look there, you have influence. It might be your family, it might be your job, it might be your neighborhood, uh, it might be your small group, it might be, who knows. But there are places, you're, yeah, and there are places where you have, you have influence. Let's call that a sphere of influence. Now, if, if God has given you gifts, he means to, to impact those spheres of influence. He has strategically created you in that spot, right? So the question maybe you want to ask yourself, in what ways are you impacting your spheres of influence with your spiritual gifts for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Have you heard that we are his hands and his feet? Have you ever heard that before? It's for real, right? So that means that wherever we're, we're going in these spheres of influence, there ought to be evidence. There ought to be the fingerprints of Jesus on these spheres of influence left there by you so that when you walk out of that sphere, Jesus is still working there, right? 
And that's what, when I talk about impact on the world, that's what I mean. So would you just do some reflecting on that this week and, and, and think about that? Because a person who's, who's continuing in the, this whole transformational process is impacting the world in a greater way, not a lesser way. And if you're here and you're looking in your rearview mirror and you say, you know, I used to seem to have a lot more impact for the Lord, something's a mess. Okay? That means, I'm going to tell you about that in just a minute, how, how we're going to fix that. Okay? But something's a mess. And, and the devil would like nothing more than to stop you in this process, right? Even if, even if you got by him and got in the gate, he'd love for you to stop right there, Right? Yeah. Okay. And then number five, um, I think you should be looking for more consistent behaviors of obedience. More consistent behaviors of obedience. We're all the same. Sometimes we're good at this and sometimes we're not, right? I mean, unless you're different than me, right? (laughs) We're all the same in that regard. And uh, yet there's a level of consistency in the obedience behaviors that increases as we walk with the Lord. I intentionally left this one as number five for this simple reason. I think a lot of times people get over-focused on that. And, they, and, and when we talk about sanctification, they think it really just has to do with your behavior, that you used to smoke weed and now you don't anymore, so you're sanctified in that area. I wouldn't know anything about that, but you guys know. <laughs> That you, used to, that you used to be here, and now you're here, so I'm sanctified in that regard, right? And I, I really hesitate for you to over-focus on your behaviors, although they're important, right? They're important. I think that we all get it that being a Christian calls us to a certain moral lifestyle, yes? Of course it does. And... Um, I don't know about you, but when I'm walking in the walk and I'm accomplishing those things and behaving in that way, I, everything's great. And then when I wiggle off of that, then I get convicted by the Holy Spirit. It says, what are you doing down there, man? What are you, I wanted you up here, and you're groveling back down in there. And, and that conviction is not a condemnation, but it's the hand of the Holy Spirit saying, would you, Paquette, would you come back up here? And, and so there's such a big difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the guilt of Satan, right? You're not guilty. Jesus Christ covered that on the cross. Guilt is not a feeling, it's a condition. And if your faith is in Christ today, you're not guilty. The devil wants you to think you're guilty because it's so defeating. So when you get that sense of stirring about, oh, I shouldn't be living like this, Ask yourself, is that, is that Satan putting you down, accusing you, as the Bible calls it? Or is that the Holy Spirit saying, come on back up here. It's better up here. Okay? But I think we all get that, that um, to walk as a Christian means we have a certain lifestyle that we want to live. And have you noticed that more and more that's becoming countercultural? That the, the more you make that a priority in your life, the more it becomes evident to you that the world is saying, no, 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 right? I have a theory about that. And my theory is simply this, is that, is that the, 
American society calls into question, largely, moral absolutes, right? It calls into question moral absolutes. And I believe the reason it does that is because it calls into question the absolute nature of God. And so the general counsel of our culture is, well, God is whatever you need him to be, right? You can go here, you can go there, you can think this, you can think that. And God can be a pencil box if that's what you need him to be, right? And it's kind of, it's kind of rampant in our culture that God is not something, God is pretty much anything, Well, when you take away the absolute nature of God, you absolutely strip moral absolutes, right? Because if there is no God, then it doesn't matter how we live. But guess what? There is a God, so it does matter how we live. There is a God who has absolute nature. He is the God of life who wants to rescue us from death. And he has an absolute nature with absolute standards And so when we're reading along in this Bible and we read something that jumps out at us, that doesn't square with my thinking. Guess who's wrong, right? That doesn't square with what the Bible's, what the world is telling me. The world is wrong. It is ours to be salt and light and live by absolute standards with, with love and grace and mercy. You don't have to be a jerk about it, right? They should be seeing the life that you live and they should want that. So um, we're trying to ever walk a better walk. I want to give you two two core realities as evidence uh, that you're getting, or or two core realities you want to breathe into your life that will increase the consistency of your obedience behaviors. And if you'll have it, they'll also remedy everything we've talked about up till now where I said something's amiss. Two things. Ask me what the first one is, I dare you. Are you sure you want to know? I don't think the dudes want to know this. <laughs> we guys struggle with this expression. We got to be in love with Jesus. Guys, I know it seems all mushy and weird, and I don't want to be in love with a dude. Not either, but it takes a minute to get there, so let's be, let's be careful with our brothers who are going, that just sounds weird, Tom. It sounds weird in the beginning, doesn't it? Just be in love with Jesus Christ, right? Makes you sound weak, doesn't it? That's because you know the, how it ends. I'm talking to the brothers here who are like, ah, this is all new, or this is all still weird. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Did you hear the words? Let's start with the words. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. We're talking about being obedient, right? Now, there's two ways we can read that. We can read it from the angry parent perspective. If you love me, you'd obey my commands, right? And then we start feeling worse because when we screw up, we go, I guess I don't love him, right? That's one way to read it, and maybe you've heard that in churches before. Maybe that's how that's come across to you. If you love me, if you love God, you'd obey him. 
And you sit there and go, hey, that's all right. I got to straighten up and fly right, man. I'm never going to do that stuff again. And it lasts about to the parking lot, right? Because guilt is a terrible motivator. It doesn't last. What if we read it this way? Because it's all in the context of how much he loves us and that he's the vine and we're the branches. And what if we read it this way? If you love me, you'll do what I command. If you love me, you'll do what I command. That's different, isn't it? That if we concentrate on loving Jesus, the natural outflow will be obedience to his commands. That's where it starts. See, the devil wants you to think about it the other way. That since you're such a schmuck, right? That's the devil's word, right? I'm just borrowing it. Can I say schmuck? Is it okay? It's a good thing. That you don't think you can love him. You don't think you're worthy to be included in that thing. You know, and the best way out of the deepest pit of sin is just to call out in love to Jesus. Because if you love him, you'll obey what he commands. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is if you want to live a life of consistent obedience, abide in the Spirit. I mean, Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is here among us. Holy Spirit's going home with you. Uh, Holy Spirit's available in the car. Holy Spirit's available in the bar. Holy Spirit's available in a box. Holy Spirit's available with a fox. Holy Spirit's <laughs> available. I mean, he's, he's here. He's here. And if you want to live a life, the Bible says, if you want to live a life of consistent obedience, you abide in the Spirit. So when we're worshiping, you enter into that zone. Don't hold back. So that when there's opportunity to be prayed for and stuff and respond to the Spirit, you respond. So you find time in your own life, in your own week, just to get alone with the Word of God and say, Lord, I'm here. Would you please come? See what happens next. Now, how, do I, how can I guarantee you that that will result in obedient behaviors? Hi, Jenna. Nice to see you. What was I talking about? Sorry. Holy Spirit. Okay. How many times have I referred to Galatians 5, 22, and 23, right? thousand? Who knows? 24 years together, Marie? Lots. And that says that the fruit of the Spirit is, say it if you know it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now let's think about that. The fruit of the Spirit, fruit, the result of abiding in the Spirit is going to be what? It's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now if those qualities characterized your life, you would automatically be living an obedient life, wouldn't you? You would have to. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So how do we get those things in our life? By working really hard, hunkering down, making God promises we're pretty sure we'll never keep? No, by abiding in the Spirit. By abiding in the Spirit. As we do these things, the natural, the natural outflow of that is the, is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, those two things also apply 
to yourself if you're, if you're thinking about what I'm saying and going, you know, I used to be stronger. I used to be in community. I used to be, I used to be, I used to be engaged with the Lord. I used to be uh, in the word, and I'm not anymore. I have two things. Love Jesus and abide in the spirit. All right? And you'll get swept right back in to the process. Okay. Um, I put these up here this model more as like a molecular model because it's something that's going on in our Wednesday night home group that Karen and I have. And it seems like we keep circling this subject that God is not linear. God is not linear. And the Bible, the stuff of the Bible isn't linear. You know, as Americans, we like to say everything is like A, B, C, D, and it's all in order and sequential, Right? And we like to like, you know, kind of get God in this little box and stuff like that. God isn't cooperating very well with that, is he? The Bible doesn't cooperate with that very well. And so we get stuck with this, but wait, I want the seven steps in order. And they're, they're not in order. They, they're all jumbled up, aren't they? And I put this this way because these five things, sometimes we get over-focused on, number, on the fifth one I gave you, but they all have relationship with each other. And so they all, they have interplay with each other. And so what I want you to, what I, how I want you to think about this, I want you to look up there and, and ask yourself, what's the best thing? What, what do you have going on? If you feel like you're stuck, which of the five would be the easiest to jumpstart? And start there. Don't, don't. Don't start with, yeah, but I'm addicted to this or that, you know, so I can't. No, don't start with the behaviors. Don't start there. Don't get stalled there. Start somewhere else. Come into community. Some of you are here, and you you might feel entirely isolated. You might feel all by yourself. We're not a megachurch, of course. Thank God. We're not a megachurch. But we're big enough that you could hide in this place. You could hide. Come in. We made this place not so you could have a chair, but so that you could have a family. Come in. Come in. There's people love you. There's people, there's people in here that are part of the family that are worse than you. Because you're going, oh, no, if they only knew. Oh, believe me. You're good. <laughs> All right? You're good. <laughs> Come on in. Come on in. Find your way in somewhere, one of these small groups or something. Come on in. I'm happy to have you here on Sunday mornings. It's wonderful. I hope you get something out of it, but don't stop there. Come on in, okay? Okay. Well, that's about all I got to say. I finished the message. There we go. Thank you very much. Only took me three tries.
But I do have two words of exhortation for you. Exhortation, words are, what that, that's a church word that means strongly encourage. These are the words I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to me that I'm supposed to tell you. And the first one is stop stopping. Stop stopping. Some of you are living your Christian life, you're pumping the brakes all the time. You're just stopping. You get going and then you stop. You get close and then you pull away. Stop stopping. There is no stopping. That God will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We're not there yet. And some of you have stopped. You've stopped. You said, I'm good, man. I've been doing this for so long. This is why I'm going to stay right here and wait for Jesus to come get me. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. Stop stopping. Some of you have wandered off, perhaps, and you're going, I, can't, I don't fit there anymore. Stop. That's a, that's a lie of the devil. Stop stopping. Now, I, I'm all for rest stops. You know, I encourage rest, rest. But you can't live in the rest area. Stop stopping. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting others by stopping. Get your foot off the brake. I tore the brake out of my car. Not really. Good Lord, you guys. Jesus, help me. Metaphorically speaking, I took the brake. And the second exhortation is enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. (laughs) The God of the universe loves you. (laughs) Hello? How can you get all tied up about that? Enjoy the ride. God is sowing life into our death. God is reversing original sin through the redemptive work of his son Jesus Christ on the cross. Enjoy the trip. Enjoy the trip. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the invitation to get going again, maybe. To enjoy the moment that you give us. And I pray now, Father, the power of the Holy Spirit on this place. And I do, God, pray for those who mourn. God. Oh, God, would you just come and... uh, do that thing that has to happen from you that nobody can say to another person. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come, Father, for those who have wandered away and want to come back? Would you pray? I pray for those who never were in and want to come in. I pray for them today, Lord, and pray that they'll just feel the Father's welcome today. I pray, Lord, that you'll heal our sick here, Father. Miraculously, powerfully heal our sick. I pray that you'll set prisoners free, Father, people who are caught up in patterns of life that are so destructive, and I just pray for them. I thank you for them. Pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will come and break their chains. Come, Lord.
God, I thank you for those who are on the walk and they're walking a good walk and yesterday or today is bigger than yesterday was in their walk with you and I thank you for them and I pray your powerful protection on them as they move forward, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this room now to do what you want to do. minutes or moments where you can just think about how you'd like to respond to the Lord. Some of you maybe have a stirring going on inside of you. It's, it's, it's a little bit heady and it's a little bit emotional and it's just sort of an odd maybe sense inside of you. Some of you maybe are feeling a, a warmth in your body. That's just the stirring of the Lord inside of you. He's calling you to something may be calling you to salvation, some of you. Some of you maybe just want to come to Christ today and you want to walk through that door from lost to found and you can do that today. Maybe some of you are just looking, kind of standing on the outside of the camp and looking in and you can come in today. Maybe some of you are feeling isolated and alone and you can, you can become a part of the community today. Holy Spirit stirring you to receive receive something from you I'm, or, or receive something from him I, I want to encourage you to get help this morning don't just feel it and then walk away from it we're going to have people up here who will pray for you though or they're going to be up here in just a minute and they'll be standing up here and you can just walk up to them they'll be so glad to see you and you can they're just going to ask you one question they're going to say what are we praying about you're going to tell them, you're going to say, I want to become a Christian, or I want to come back, or I want to, I want to be set free, or whatever, whatever the stirring is, and then they'll just take it from there. They will help you. I just really want to strongly encourage you not to just stick, be content with just the stirring. God means something by that. Church, could we stand together, please, and could we have some prayer ministry people come up? Along the sides here, and these are the people who are happy to pray for you. Come on up. Just come on up anytime.